The Old Testament reading on this Lutheran Women's Missionary League Sunday is from 1 Kings chapter 8, beginning verse 54. When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out toward heaven. He stood and blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice, saying, Praise be to the Lord, who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and to keep the commands, decrees, and regulations he gave our fathers. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's need, so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord God and that there is no other. But your hearts must be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle reading is recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own needs, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Here ends the epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 10, beginning the 26th verse. Glory to you, O Lord. The words of Jesus to his disciples regarding their work of proclaiming the good news. So, do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, nor hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Okay.
all the younger people. Oh, that could be 25-year-olds. There they come. I got special stuff up front. Has to do when I was younger. Lauren Harper, what is the Boy Scout motto? Be prepared, right? What was the motto of the Roman army? Same thing, semper erectus, always wide awake, always ready for battle. When I was eight years old, I got to be a Cub Scout. And my Uncle Fred, my godfather, got me something that I've always loved. What is this thing? Pocket knife. It's got the Cub Scout insignia on it. It's got a blade and a couple of other things. And when my mother saw my uncle give me this at eight years old, she said, hand it over. You're not playing with a knife. But my Uncle Fred said, no, you need to have a knife to be prepared for many things. Besides, once you know how to use it, then you won't cut yourself. Because if you don't know how to use it, things will happen. <laughs> how do you cut a stick? With the blade away from you, never toward you. Rule one. So I've always been prepared with this to begin with. Nowadays, however, be prepared means something different. What's this stuff? Duct tape. Duct tape. How about that? What's duct tape good for? Taking what? Taping broken stuff. How many of you know the Red Green Show on PBS. He's always prepared because as far as Red Green is concerned, by the way, he's Canadian, eh? No wonder you don't know him. As long as you've got duct tape, you can take care of anything and fix anything at all as long as you've got duct tape. Do you guys have any of these things yet? Duct tape. Okay. What do you think might be in there? What? Band-Aids. That's a good guess. Let's see if it's true. Yep, Band-Aids. If you go hiking, you should always be prepared and have some Band-Aids along, right? By the way, that's the LWML color, purple. I just decided to get out my bigger backpack. This thing is old and grungy. There's a whole bunch of necessary things. If a tornado was coming or I had to get out of town quickly, I got all my necessities in this big old knapsack. 
I just take it, throw it in the trunk of the car. How's that? Want to weigh it? <laughs> Even when I go hiking this time of year, I bring my little satchel along because it's got stuff in here too. Just in case, because I want to be prepared, it's all in here, including, notice, what's that? No, it's another little knife, just to be prepared. Now, according to the Apostle Paul, you should also be prepared all the time to be willing to tell the news about Jesus with anybody who asks you. Always be prepared. That can be a little challenging. Where do you begin? Okay, if you guys are having trouble, how about you guys? Where would you begin? How many of you know the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. <laughs> For the Bible tells me so. Okay, you could sing that. My grandkids did that to my father on different occasions because they knew Grandpa at that time didn't know Jesus. So they would just start singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. You might not think that's important, but on one occasion they got Grandpa to cry. I'm not sure exactly what he was crying about, but something about that song really kind of got to him. So you're already being prepared by Sunday school, learning things at home, little Bible story books. What you've learned... <laughs> Showstopper. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Children's sermon over. <laughs> You're prepared, just like Dad was prepared. Okay. Yeah, really. I'm not kidding. We're done. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. My text is not the one I intended. The one from 1 Timothy probably fits the bulletin cover very well, but there's one little problem with it. If you actually look at the context of when this thing was written by Paul, some enterprising modern Christian today would go, well, okay, I suppose I should be doing this stuff. It is kind of important, you know. Proclaim the word, judgment's coming. Sound doctrine, yeah. Keep your head in all situations. But this was written by Paul to Timothy, a young pastor. What short-circuits sharing the gospel in modern times is if somebody wants to know Christianity, just sick the professional on them, right? That's so very effective. 
No, it isn't. If I come to someone because <clears throat> you have told that person to come to me, it's a little bit like, well, do any of you have life insurance? Do you remember how you got life insurance to begin with? For many people it was because mom or dad or some relatives said, hey, you know, Mike, you really need life insurance because you've got a growing family. Have you got life insurance? And then you go, well, no. And then the life insurance guy comes over and you really don't want him to come. The best evangelism really does not happen in terms of professionals. I'm not bad at answering more deeper questions. That's probably what I'm trained for. But the initial contact best happens between average, normal Christians and people who are just curious. Therefore, I have scrapped my original sermon text. Uh, my apologies to the authorities in LWML. I picked a different one. From 1 Peter chapter 3, listen to this one better, because this one applies to everybody. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. That's referring to what other people will think. But rather, in your hearts, constantly reverence Christ as the Lord. Always be prepared to make a formal defense to anyone who calls to you to give an account for the hope that is within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Aside from getting up in a pulpit and giving a talk, or even getting up front to do the lections on a Sunday morning, actually telling someone about Jesus Christ is head and shoulders the most terrorizing event among most Christians. Why could that be? We're prepared about everything else, from having duct tape and Boy Scout knives, taking care of every other thing possible. Yet the one thing that's necessary for other people, if not even for ourselves, is that good news of what Jesus has done. What are we afraid of? Somebody might call us a religious zealot or some kind of a nut. Or maybe the relatives won't speak to us for a year. What's the problem? We are not going to get arrested yet in this country for our Christian faith. That may come later in the next generation or so. What are we afraid of? Christians like to be kindly, friendly. Christians like to do things with gentleness and respect toward other people. And in this culture that we live in, to talk religion to someone else doesn't seem to be very gentle or respectful. It looks like you're trying to be a used car salesman or an insurance salesman and pushing yourself on somebody else. Therefore, notice what Peter is saying. First of all, in your hearts, always reverence Christ as Lord. Your first step in evangelism is who you are. 
Can it be seen by the way you act that Jesus is the most important? Or as Dietrich Bronhefer said in World War II, being a German Lutheran fellow who died for his faith, he said, if it, is against, if it would be against the law for you to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence against you to convict you? What he saw in Germany in those years that most people said nothing. They didn't want to stir the pot in any way lest they might be arrested for their faith. And he certainly was. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ that's not just private, but is seen. That's your first evangelism statement. So if you go to a restaurant today, what do you do before you eat? You should say the common table prayer just like you do at home. And parents and grandparents, if you fail to do that, your own little ones may well remind you. Years ago, Aaron Spears, yes, related to certain other Spearses, had a birthday party. And they went to Chuck E. Cheese's. And all the little kids are running around doing things, and they started bringing out the pizza. And my son Aaron's looking around. They're starting to eat pizza. And he yelled out, Hey, you forgot to pray. So, according to the story I heard, Jim, <clears throat> he sort of prevailed upon you to say, Hey, table prayer before one more ounce of pizza went in their cute little mouths. That's an expression of your Christian faith. Reverencing Christ as number one at all times and never being afraid to express that faith. But now, if they do notice and they ask you even something terrible like, what's wrong with you? They might be nicer about it, but in this day and age, they might not. Paul says, or St. Peter says, therefore, always be ready, always be prepared to make a formal defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is within you. That term formal defense is really referring to if the authorities come up and say, hey, buddy, this isn't legal and you have to stand up in front of a judge. Not only Peter, but especially the Apostle Paul had to do that many times during their life. Read the book of Acts and see how many times the apostles got hauled in before the authorities. But Peter is saying, at all times be ready, be prepared to give a formal account of the expectation, the hope, of eternal life that you have. Now, some of you might be old enough even to recognize this book, Evangelism Explosion by Dr. D. James Kennedy. When I first got here, there were a number of people that had gone through this program and knew a simple outline for expressing their faith. I think this old-school book needs to be used again. 
but don't let a book scare you. The main part of this book, as I lose my marker, of course. <laughs> anyway, can be expressed on two pages. If you would die tonight, the question comes, would you know for certain that you'd be with God in heaven? Now, you don't jump into that question right away. It's a little bit like talking to a stranger and saying, by the way, how's your gallbladder? You don't start out that way. But if you build up a rapport, they trust you, they know you. At a certain point, especially if there's some serious event in life, you can ask that first question. Do you know for certain that if you died, you'd be in heaven? An I don't know is not an answer. It's either yes or no. Now, if they say no, then you know exactly where they're at. But if they say yes, you may still have somewhat of a question in your mind. Who goes to heaven anyway? According to Walt Disney, all dogs go to heaven. Do all people go to heaven automatically? No. There is that thing called hell that we heard about in the gospel reading of all things. No. If you would be called before God this day, this hour, and God himself would ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you tell God? That's the second old question. It's the basic question about salvation. If you have any answer like, well, I'm a good person, well, I try, I love my family, I pay my taxes, I pick up doggy do when I walk the dog. If you get answers like that at all, then you know exactly where the person is. Because where is Jesus Christ in that answer? From that point, the outline is really quite simple. It goes through what Jesus did for you. Can you tell me the two things Jesus has done for you? If someone asked you, would you have an inkling? The gospel only has two parts. He fulfilled the law in your stead, and he paid the price for your sins. What's the guarantee? He rose from the dead. The reason that's necessary is our old sinful nature. You talk about how hopeless we are and how hopeless even your pastor is. It's not a very detailed outline, but it talks about the most important things. Peter says, always be thoroughly prepared to make a formal defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. Now, having made you feel maybe somewhat inadequate, maybe this will help. There are other ways of talking about Christ that don't necessarily mean learning a program. Again, there's an old-school method. These are called tracts. If you are tongue-tied, you can always have one of these around. My mother always carried a few of these in her purse, just in case. Or if we went out to eat, which maybe happened once a year because Dad was tight, 
she would leave one of these tracks on the table for the waiter. Or as they went out to pay their bill when they left the restaurant. And you can also use these for people who are curious about certain things. Tracks are old school, but they still work. In Luther's day, they used Luther's small catechism. Do you see how small that is? It's not with all the explanations, questions, and answers, but just all the basic stuff. This was used in Luther's day to give to people who hopefully could read it, and this thing caused a regular revolution throughout Europe, and this little book was banned in certain parts of Europe because it was too troublesome. We had not that long ago someone from the Gideons. They still make Gideon Bibles. Again, an old school method. The New Testament is here, the Psalms, but they always have a simple presentation of the gospel in the opening pages where you can find it. And if you have questions or troubles in your life, they have a simple index of where to go and to read God's own word regarding what your need is. Again, a very old-school way of doing things, but still very effective. Finally, how many of you have or use portals of prayer? A simple use of this thing is not just to read it to somebody, but in fact, you give them your copy and tell them you'll get yours later at church. You'll get another. But give them this book. It has to do with simple presentations of God's care and love in all sorts of situations. Again, this is very old school, but it's still very effective. And then, on top of that, if you learn a simple presentation of your faith, that can be the frosting on the cake. That's the point at which if they have more questions, you do the best you can. But if that doesn't seem to meet the bill at that point, you can always invite them to that class that that expert guy has every so often, that adult inquirer's class. Again, very old school. But you can add that the pastor loves questions. That, by the way, begins this evening for anybody at all who has any curiosity of learning a little more depth of the Christian faith. Why is this so important? The Christian church only grows so long as all the members are constantly ready to give this formal presentation of their faith. For Christ died for sins once and for all, since Peter at the end, the righteous on behalf of the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. May God grant you throughout your life to always be ready to give an account of your faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.